Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So, good morning. Um, We're starting a brand new series um, today for the next three weeks called Emmanuel. Um, And if you're unfamiliar with this word, uh, it literally means God with us. We take for granted the value of this statement and the reality that this is even an option. That God has gone above and beyond to prove himself um, to be one that comes after us, pursuing us. Um, God has, from the beginning, called his children into continued dependence on him. Even before God put on flesh, he has been calling his children to listen, to follow, and obey And God wants to invite you to trust him, to lean into his presence and to follow. And this invitation um, that this season solidifies by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as a child. Uh, And we're going to talk about that today. And I don't think there's any better way to talk about that than to literally um, talk about this word, Emmanuel, uh, and where it came from. But before we get there, I want to pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you this morning um, that you have done everything that you've done to show yourself to us. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds uh, to see the links that you'll go to to say, children, trust me, follow me, believe me. Lord, I pray that as we read your word today, as we see your, um, your willingness to commit yourself for generations, the promise that you would be here in the flesh. Lord, let us celebrate that. And Lord, we just thank you that um, as much as sometimes we aren't ready for you and don't even ask for you to come, you're there. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that hear, uh, a people that soften our hearts, and a people that listen to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Old Testament is littered with hundreds of prophetic words concerning the coming Messiah. Hundreds of them. Actually, 300 of them. Uh, Jesus actually fulfilled, and the statistical data of that is just crazy which I'm not going to get into because that's not my morning. Uh, One of the most famous ones we're going to dig into this morning has the implications over the next few weeks. It comes directly out of Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, I'm going to test you, and that, that's going to go away in just a second. That's this air conditioning system in this place. Uh, it's not the Holy Spirit tuning in and getting ready to, like, respond. Um, so how many of you, without cheating, like, don't look down at your Bibles if you already got them open at Matthew 11:28. How many of you know what that's referenced from? And you can raise your hand, because I'm not going to call on you and, and test that. So do you, do you know where that phrase comes from what book in the old testament okay okay great not not that many of you um 
So how many that know the reference know the context of the reference? Because sometimes we'll know, yeah, that comes from, and it comes from Isaiah 7, uh, verse 14. But how many know the context of what's going on? Uh, probably even fewer um, than those that know where the reference is. Confession. Um, I knew that it was out of Isaiah 7. Um, I have not studied what I'm getting ready to preach before today. I'm sure I've read it because I've gone back and looked at it, but like I've not spent time on it. Um, so for those that feel guilt and shame because you don't know the historical um, context of Isaiah 7 today, we'll have it together. You'll leave here. So let me give you a little background on Isaiah. So Isaiah was a prophet of God. And in the Old Testament, a prophet of God is, a, man, I'm telling you what, I don't want to be a prophet of God. A lot of them were murdered. Let's just say that. Um, and the ones that weren't murdered weren't really popular because uh, a prophet of God was a guy when the people of God weren't doing real good. They weren't doing the right thing. They weren't going the right way. They weren't worshiping the right God. And the prophet of God would come to the people of God and declare their wickedness. They would he would declare their judgment. He would say, you need to change and you need to do this. And he would talk about the promises of God. And it wasn't a popular thing. You weren't well liked. You weren't invited to people's party afterwards. You were unpopular. And so... Isaiah is an interesting book if you look at it in its totality. Um, the whole book is really half about the judgment that is coming because they've decided to do things that they shouldn't do, worship foreign gods, um, not trust in God, not obey God, and not this other things. But it's also littered with a hope of what God's going to do in spite of their disobedience which we're going to see the, one of the first promises in uh, Isaiah 7, 14. And you're going to, as if you want to read, continuing on, I mean, you literally see the promise of what's God, what God's going to do in and through this. So Isaiah gets pulled up in to see the throne room of God. And, you know, if you've read Isaiah 6, you've, You've heard parts of it, I'm sure. Um, he's into the presence, and the angels are worshiping God, and, and he is. And let me just tell you, you will be also. Because sometimes we're like, yeah, oh, man, I can't wait until I worship God. And you think, like, we're just going to roll up in there and be like, hey, God, how you doing? Uh, I'm a little late, but no big deal. This party's about me. Um, thanks for having me. You know, Isaiah did exactly what every one of us will do when we're confronted with the holiness of God. We'll fall on our face. And, and, and we will declare, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'm from a people from unclean lips, which just means I'm, I'm not pure enough to be in this place. And he's terrified. And an angel, it's not even, I'm not even going to get into the, I mean, the angel that's just covered in wings, he comes out with this, this coal from the, the fire of God, and he touches it to his lips, and, he's, and he basically purifies him in that moment. Because he says, I'm a man of unclean lips, I'm from people of unclean lips, and God fixes the issue and allows him to be there for part of it. 
And in Isaiah 6, God begins to say, like, I, I need to send someone. I, I need this to happen. And, and Isaiah, um, to himself, or in himself, volunteers for this role. He was like, here I am, send me. Which is just crazy. But let me just tell you, when you get confronted with the purity and presence of God, you want to obey. You want to do what is necessary. And, and he, he, I'm going to pick this up in Isaiah 6, verse 9 through 13. And, and, and God basically tells him, let me, let me tell you, um, I don't know that I would have wanted to plant a church if God had spoke this to me. But basically, hey, you're going to go and they're not going to listen. You're going to go and preach and they're not going to listen at all. But okay. And so th- this is where we're going to pick up in, in verse 9, uh, chapter 6 of Isaiah. It says, And he said to him, Go and say to these people, Keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing and do not perceive. Make the heart of the people dull and their ears heavy and their um, and blind their eyes, least they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. He's pretty much saying, hey, you're going to go and do this very hard thing and you're going to fail at it. Come hell or high water, I'm going to go. In verse 11, it says, then he said, then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie in waste without inhabitants and houses without people and the land is desolate with waste. Yay! There's not like a, there's not a, like a, like a little ho- there's not a light at the end of the tubble, a tunnel. Like how long am I going to have to do this until the city that you love, until the people that you're called to, are gone? Not completely gone, but gone. Verse twelve, and the la- and the Lord removes people far away, and the fors- and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And through, and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a terebinth of an oak whose stump remains, when it is felled, the holy seed is its stump. And I mean, the whole little thing later on, I don't have time to go into this. I mean, the, the, the tribe of Jed, like this, out of the stump, out of the ashes, out of what seems like impossible, I'm going to bring Jesus, which is not my story today, but let me get in there. So Isaiah's first job is where we get Isaiah seven fourteen. His His first mission, his first king to go um, tell the word of the Lord to, and he goes, not by invitation, which we'll get to in a second. So in chapter 7, verse 1, it says, in the days of Isaiah, uh, uh, Isaiah, uh, the son of Jotham, the son of Uriza, king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekin, the son of Remelia, the king of Israel, came down to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but <clears throat> could not yet mount attack against it. When the house of David was told Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Isaiah and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So here's what's going on. The king has 
being confronted by two, not lessers, but they, they couldn't by themselves conquer this king. So they've come to the city to basically to wage war against it. The city of God, the city that has been promised uh, in spite of, they, they come against it. And so the prophet comes to bring some hope to him. In verse 3, it says, And the Lord said to Isaiah, uh, Go out and meet Isaiah. I, I, Isa. <laughs> Between my head cold um, and words, um, proper names in the Old Testament, this is going to be great. Um, you and... And here, here's the name. Okay, what you kind of interesting thing. Um, what you need to know about prophets of the Old Testament, a lot of times God would give them children, uh, and they would name their children things that God's going to do, um, good or bad. Um, and so the child that he brings with them, Cher, uh, Jace Hub, um, literally his name means a remnant shall remain. Sad story. A remnant shall remain. So he, he's coming with a, you know, like not only is he the prophet to come to a city that is not going to listen, but he's got like a child with him. Like, I'm here to prophesy. I've got a, I don't know if it's a baby, but it's a small child because that's later on, which we're not going to cover. But anyway, um, at the end of the conduit in the upper pool on the highway, of the washer's field. So it's not even like he's been invited into the temple. He's been invited into the king's palace. Like there, he, he, he goes to meet him in this obscure place. And he said to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear. Could you imagine being a king and surrounding you? There's two other kingdoms that are coming against you. And he, he's given him probably the most wise advice that you can have be careful be quiet do not fear and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands in the fierce anger of resin in syria and the son of remelia because syria with ephraim and the son of remelia has devised evil against you saying let us go up against judah and terrify it let us Conquer it for ourselves and set up the son of table and the king in the midst of it. So they're going to come in here and set a king in God's city, which it's not going to happen. But um, I mean, worse things are going to happen to the city, but this isn't going to happen. And. Um, because Syria with Ephraim and his son of rebellion has divided evil against you saying, let us go up against, um, Judah and terrify it. Let us conquer it for ourselves and let us set a son of table as the king in its midst. And thus says the Lord, like I would say, this is the best news that you could hear. Thus says the Lord, the prophet of God is speaking to the king and he says, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. Like, you're like, yeah, I mean, I think if I was the king, I'd be like, yeah, amen to that, brother. Can we get that written down? Do you have that letter from the Lord so I can be in confidence of it? It shall not come to pass for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is resin and 
And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people, which is actually, I think, if I remember correctly in my reading, it's actually 11 years. Like in a very short period of time, this people that's coming against them is not even a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Rehmelia. Um, if you have not, if you are not firm in the faith, you will not be firm at all. And he's like, look, if you'll trust God, this is the thing from the beginning. God's saying, hey, if you'll trust me, not that it'll be easy, not that people won't come against you, not that you won't have kingdoms there to, to attempt to conquer you, but I will be there with you. And he said, if you're not firm in the faith, you will not be firm at all, which he is not firm in the faith. And again, the Lord spoke to the king, Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and as high as heaven. Let it be as low as hell and as high as heaven. He's saying, hey, name it. If you want a sign that this is going to be so, you, you want it, then, then ask for it, and the Lord God will show his might and power so that you can have faith in it. But as I says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Doesn't he seem very pious and like, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to God. Even though the prophet of God that was sent by God is basically declaring to him, hey, God's saying, ask. When the prophet of God comes to you and asks for you to you know, ask for a sign, then ask for a sign. What you don't know about this king is that he's not a good guy. And the only reason that God's continuing to honor these generations of kings, which I think this is 12 down from David, is because he loved David and he promised David. And if you read through First and Second Kings, if you read through these chronicles of the kings, you see even in their wickedness, God is trying to honor the promise of David. Not because of them, not because they've done anything right from the day they were born, but he's saying because of David. And you see this over and over again, because of David. This guy was so wicked that he literally burned his firstborn child to a foreign deity. That he went and worshipped at this other thing, and he brought to his priests the way they worship and said, let's set this up in the temple. I mean, this was not a good guy. This was not a guy had had his heart. He, was, he did not have the heart of God. wasn't trying, and he sounds like, oh, man, I'm, I'm not going to do that to the Lord. I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. And truth be known, he'd already sought for freedom from this oppressor from the first of many conquerors, the Assyrians. And so he goes to this other power instead of just trusting in God to deliver. He trusts in this foreign house. And so when the king wouldn't ask for a sign, or wouldn't ask um, or wouldn't have faith in what um, God would do for him, God gives him a sign, and this is it, verse 13. 
And he said to him, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall his name and shall call his name Emmanuel. This wasn't even a fix to the problem that he was having. He's. This is a 700 year old promise. Wasn't old then. It was one day old at this point because he just said it. But 700 years later, this was going to be the promise because God is faithful. God has always wanted to be our God. God's always said, hey, if you'll trust me, if you'll do these things um, that I'm asking you to do, if you'll live dedicated to me, like, again, life won't be easy, but life will be good. And that's how, you know, just like Daniel said earlier with uh, um, Rack, Shack, and Benny, for those who remember the, the veggie tales. That even in the midst of the fire, he was there with them. And so I have a few things that I, I want to give you. Like, and you may be like, okay, this is Christmas. Like, okay, Emmanuel, this is, this is where it came from. But this was the promise. This was the declaration that it would be so. And I have three things that I think that we can look at this and know that I think um, if we'll learn from it, this could be a different season for us. You know, when the wrapping paper is gone and the Christmas decorations are gone, our lives can be still filled with joy because it's not a season. It's not this thing that we do that that we just get to enjoy for a couple of weeks. It's this gift, this present Because God wants to be with us. So here's some things that I um, pulled out of this. Not that this is um, exclusive. Like like There isn't more things that you can learn out of this. But it's three things that I feel like God showed us very clearly in this text. As he spoke to his people calling them to trust him. The first one is that God pursues. This king didn't ask for the prophet. He didn't send the telegram, hey, could you send me your best prophet? Like, I need a prophet. I need, I, need, I need a word from the Lord. He didn't ask for that. He didn't listen to when it came. But God pursues. I think, I think one of the biggest revelations, um, not biggest, but a big revelation for me is uh, I did a Bible study in Genesis. And um, I've kind of because of my own background and my own issues, kind of felt like God's always angry. He's just looking at, he's got that paddle in his hand, just like, I'm just going to whoop you. You need it. You just need a whooping. And I think a lot of times we, we, we exist in this world, and I'm not saying that God is, does not have wrath. Okay? Okay? Okay. I'm not, a, I'm not a greasy grace person, but I feel like his... 
mercy is very limited when it came to me. And I, I felt like, you know, every little mistake, every little thing, he's just sitting mad. Buddy. <laughs> and I was doing this study in Genesis and Adam and Eve, the first failures, because that's what they were. We've been a generation of them since that. They failed. God gave them one rule. <laughs> Let me just tell you, okay, regardless of how many rules there are, you can't do it. They had one rule. They failed with one rule. We're going to fail with 10, 600, however many, because we need Jesus. And he's always been like, hey, just trust me. Trust me. Lean into me. We'll work this out. We'll make you better. Don't try to fix yourself. And the crazy thing is, so Adam and Eve sin and they hide because for the first time ever, they're like, oh, God's got the paddle. He's about to whoop our tails. And they're hiding behind a tree, which is just, you know, we think is really silly. It's like our children hiding behind the thing. They're like, they can't see me. You know, and God comes into the garden and he finds them. But what is that? Like, I remember reading this in this devotional. It was like, God pursues. God has pursued since the first failure, and he's still pursuing. In spite of you even asking, and some of you are in this room, because you, not because you invited Jesus into your life, because Jesus found you, arrested you. And I don't mean like throw you in jail, but I mean he got you. Because he pursues for all of us in here that think that you found God, you're wrong. God pursued you. And at some point, if, if you're his, he, he captured you. And that's what he does. He's sitting there. He's sitting there right now in this season saying, I'm still after you. I don't, I don't care what last night looked like. I don't care what last week. I don't care about the 15 million failures that you've had. Trust me. I mean, because this king didn't deserve, deserve it. But God pursued him by sending a prophet. And he's pursuing us. Here's another one that will probably wreck you as much as that God's still after you, is that God's invitation comes regardless of your past or present. There is no amount of you cleaning, scrubbing, purifying your life that God's like, oh, finally, I can be close enough to them that they don't stink. That finally, they've done enough that I can get in there. And I'm just going to tell you, God's invitation comes regardless of all that because God came to this wicked king and he offered him a chance. He offered, if you'll trust me, what they're, these firebrands, these, these little whatever that's come against you, it'll be gone. And you, you may think, oh, well, he's a king. No, no, no. This king hasn't done what was supposed to happen by the kings. They're supposed to trust, obey, follow God, serve him only. But God still extends this invitation. It's still there. Trust me. Follow me. And my question to you today is, is how are you responding to that? Because the invitation is still there. There's nothing. I don't care how wicked you are. And this will mess with you. There's nothing 
that would exclude you from an invitation into the family of God? Nothing. And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is what the baby Jesus is announcing as he's coming onto the scene. God with us. We're going to talk about this over the next two weeks and how crazy it is for God to enter the world as a helpless child. And you know what? He survived until he fulfilled his purpose. Because nothing was going to come against what God has. So God pursues. God's invitation comes regardless of past or present. And here's the last thing. Is that God is a promise keeper. Hear this. Some things that God is doing takes a long time. And just because it's taken a long time for this thing to happen, this thing that you've been crying out for God, just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he won't do it. And let me just tell you, regardless of it, if he never does it, he has something better for you. Because completely honest, if God gave you the desires of your heart, you would be miserable. You're like, no. Go read I know we talked about it, Ecclesiastes. Go read Ecclesiastes. My man, King Solomon, he had everything and was still miserable. Everything. Every money. He had If you think women will fix it, like... Solomon has just gone off and proved it. Like, there ain't no number of women that's going to fix your issues. Men, let me just hear that. One is enough. Enough. I'm going to invite our worship team back up, and I just want to challenge you. Where is God pursuing you? Where is God coming into your story that you're just like, I am uncomfortable. Could you imagine how uncomfortable the king was when God's prophet shows up and he's like, um, we're only supposed to have one God and I'm worshiping a couple and I've murdered a child in the name of another. Uh, and I've asked for this foreign king who's not a worshiper of you um, to save us. I mean, could you imagine how nervous he was in that moment? So regardless of how nervous you are, God's after you. And he's not after you to pull the paddle out. He's after you to free you from the things that are crushing your soul. He's there to free you from these things that are attacking you from the outside that you think the only way that I can defeat this is some other power source and let me just tell you there is no other power source confession is the best thing that we can live in trust the truth of God that he did come go to the cross willingly for you to pay the penalty for your past and your present and your future. And all he's asking of you is to trust him and to follow him, which is not easy. 
any Christian church that will say to you, like, just say the prayer and it's all good. They're lying. It is all good in the end, but in the middle of that, it's a journey of choosing to trust because it won't, these two kings that are coming against, if we look at this in our own lives, they won't be the last ones that are coming against you. The things that you're battling, if God frees you from them tomorrow, they won't be the last. And I think sometimes God allows these things to come so you can be constantly reminded, I still need you. And that's really the reminder today that God wants to be among us. I mean, imagine what our lives would look like if we live that, that God's with us. I don't know, there's been lots of creepy little videos of like, oh, oh, what you're watching. I mean, Jesus is in the room. But, I mean, that's the reality. What if we live like God was literally not only with us in presence, but he's behind us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, what, what if we in this holiday season said, regardless of what's against you, whatever health concern, whatever trauma, whatever past thing that's knocking at your door, what if, what if you trusted in Jesus that he's big enough to be your king in all of those areas? We're going to worship again, which some people are like, oh, I wish he would say amen so we could leave because it's a little uncomfortable. Um, and God may actually want to do something with me. Uh, we always have this song at the end, not this song, but a song at the end. Because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something, wants you to say, hey, here I am. So I'm going to pray, we're going to worship, and I just encourage you, be honest. Like the people around you may not know what's going on, but God's fully aware of what you need. All you got to do is open your mouth. And cry out and just say, God, I, I'm desperate. I'm hurting. And I need you. Because you are a promise keeper. Let's pray. Jesus, you are a promise keeper. You are a pursuing God. And you do invite us in spite of who we are. Because you are enough to rescue and redeem. You are enough to change us. And Lord, I just pray today that we could walk in just a measure of surrender to you. Lord, as we look at this season of literally God with us, that we would invite you into our mess that we would invite you not to just be our Savior, our ticket to heaven, Lord, that you would be our Lord and Savior. Lord, that you would give us ears and hearts to listen and follow. And so, Lord, as we worship you, Lord, I pray that even now things would begin to be broken from us. Lord, that your power and your presence, Lord, that, Lord, where your spirit is, there's freedom. Lord, I pray that that would be so today because you are mighty and powerful and there is nothing that stands against us when we stand with you.
pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.